554. Warning. Access restricted. Please submit to DNA. Verification. Processing. Verification complete. Access granted. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Monitor Room at the Christian Geek Central Podcast, a biblical examination and celebration of geekery and geek entertainment, as well as the official podcast of ChristianGeekCentral.com. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions, producing entertainment and resources to hopefully equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks like you and me to live in the freedom and purpose that Christ has given us. For more information about Spirit Blade Productions, you can check out spiritblade.com or patreon.com slash spiritbladeproductions. On the show today, a review of the super horror movie Brightburn. And the, I remember I want a nickel. I want a nickel if that becomes a thing every time someone says that, super horror. And the launch of our annual Summer of Free celebration, including an exciting announcement about a Spirit Blade Productions audio drama. Here we go. Okay, kiddo, pop quiz time. Best movie franchise. The Terminator. Mm, not even close. The Matrix. Best TV show. Star Trek. Star... What? Farscape? You have to know that it's Farscape. Uh, it's like you're not even my son. Unless you're not my son. I don't like your voice. It irritates me. Hey, hey wait. Let's make another call. No, please. And another, and another, and another. You are very messy. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Brightburn. The synopsis on IMDb reads, What if a child from another world crash-landed on Earth, but instead of becoming a hero to mankind, he proved to be something far more sinister? Uh, talking about the story, the script, pacing, tone, that kind of stuff. Uh, this is a super horror movie. I want a nickel for every time... <laughs> Someone says that. I'm I probably not the f- f- first person to come up with that. But uh, yeah, that's. I, I hope this becomes kind of a new genre. Uh, it's it's structured, paced, and shot like a horror movie. So that's really the experience you're going to have with this. But it has some classic Superman origin story elements. You know, like a small farming town and a child that comes down in a, in like a meteor or whatever type thing crash lands and they adopt it and raise it and notice that he's different from other kids. And there's a sweet girl next next door that he kind of has a little bit of a crush on and he wears a red cape and has a secret identity and a symbol that's associated with his superpowered identity and and a whole bunch of other little things um even some specifically man of steel vibes in the script with talk of this young boy having a special purpose and being here for a reason of course that also dates back to the donner film but anyway um it's uh it's got a lot of those kind of trappings but the 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 tone the feel of this thing is totally full on 
horror movie. It's uh, not a visual effects spectacle like you would have in a lot of superhero movies. Largely, the the visual effects moments are when Brandon, this this young superboy type guy, um, is doing bad things, <laughs> and so it's from the victim's point of view, like a like a monster movie or a horror movie where you're not seeing, except in brief flashes here and there, what the bad guy is doing, and uh, really the effects are more on the line of like gruesome things like what's happening to the victims and there are definitely some gruesome deaths here uh, I also wonder just from a writing standpoint this is just a side detail I wonder if the name Brandon was chosen or landed on maybe as they were brainstorming because of Brandon Routh who played Superman in Superman Returns it totally could be coincidence I mean Chris after Christopher Reeve would have in many ways been a more likely choice but maybe they thought that would have felt disrespectful in some way of course why didn't they go with Henry Cavill I don't know maybe that's because that's more recent or Henry didn't work for other reasons in the script um, because there are some reasons that they chose Brandon Breyer as his name that uh, you'll see in the movie anyway that's a side issue there's also a little bit of family drama elements in this uh, super horror movie as these parents are trying to figure out what is wrong with their son and how they can help him how they can love him through this change that he's going through even as they are also increasingly afraid of him and I really appreciate that when a horror movie is more than just horror when it has some dramatic elements emotionally anchoring the movie and getting me invested in the the story the characters and you know so having some of that real human drama in there in any movie is going to be helpful to me but i really like to see it in horror movies as well um let's see here uh i guess oh yeah yeah um i uh, i think that People who are parents right now or have been parents in the past of boys that are Brandon's age, which is like 11 turning 12 in this movie, uh, may get something extra from the experience. I have uh, a, my oldest is a, uh, is a boy who is uh, 11 going on 12 in just a couple of months, so almost the exact same age. And I do think that there's maybe something more that people that have had some experience with that may gain from the family drama elements and the, the coming of age elements from the parents' perspective as they're trying to figure out how do we navigate this real big shift going on. Of course, what Brandon is going through... <laughs> is much more intense than uh, what uh, any parent is going to go through. But um, they certainly leave things open for either a sequel or a spinoff of some kind, which I would love to see. No more to say on that. As far as the cast goes, I felt like they were all solid. Uh, I love horror movies that aren't filled with just teenage or 20-something actors that are cast primarily for their looks, you know, but horror movies that are filled with seasoned performers that can really sell the different flavors of fear. And uh, and also Jackson A. Dunn playing Brandon in this movie doesn't display, you know, a wide emotional range. The, the script doesn't call for that, but he's a good fit for the contrasting warm and cold versions of Brandon uh, in this movie. So that was really nice. As far as stunts and visuals, not much to say. The visuals are nice and they're subtle. You know, it's a horror movie, so they're kind of quote-unquote hiding the monster a lot of the time. And actually that, for me, feeds the sense of realism. If you see that monster, or in this case this superpowered boy too often and especially if the if the effects aren't really you know got a lot of budget and time put behind them then that can take away from the sense of realism and i think horror movies if you want us to feel the the imminence of the danger that the characters are in you want the danger to feel real and grounded i think and so you know hiding that monster especially if it's a, a visual effects type of monster really feeds the sense of realism for me and so that's what they did a lot of in this movie that's not to say that you don't see him doing 
pretty much all, all the main things that you would expect a Superman-inspired character to do. You see all of those things, uh, but the way they handle it with the visual effects and practical effects and stuff like that, uh, I, I thought worked really well. In fact, the budget specifically, I'll comment on, makes me wonder if sequels and spin-offs, which I said may be likely, could be even more likely to be greenlit. You know, I mean, I think the reason that we see a lot of horror movies that just have sequel after sequel after sequel is because these horror movies don't take near as much of a budget to produce. They don't have, they tend not to have near as many special effects. And even though you have conceptually uh, a character in this movie that has the power levels and, and variety of powers that Superman has, you're not showing them as much because it's shot differently. It's not a superhero movie where the hero is on display and all these big action sequences involve him front and center doing his spectacular visual effects things. No, it's not that kind of movie. He's doing all those kinds of crazy, you know, uh, super-powered things, but we're from the victim's perspective, and so we're not seeing it near as much front and center. And so for that reason, the budget can afford to be much smaller and I think make sequels much more likely than maybe, you know, uh, maybe even, you know, the the DC Universe movies right now. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Um, anyway, I don't usually comment on the music and sound, but one thing I will say is that there's some nice piano music early on in the movie that seems clearly to be inspired by Man of Steel. I mean, there's a number of beats in here that are not just pulling from Superman in general and his history, but specifically from the recent interpretations of him by Zack Snyder in those movies, you know. And and uh, I almost kind of wonder in the back of my mind <laughs> if in any way there's any relationship to the inception of this movie to kind of like some of the complaints that some people had that, oh man, these Superman movies are too dark, you know? <laughs> like somebody said, huh, what if we took that like all the way? <laughs> anyway, um, as far as the themes in this movie, are there any themes that might stimulate some worthwhile thought or conversation about moral, spiritual, or philosophical issues? And I, I, there does seem to be an intended parallel to the experience that parents have of raising their children um, who are going through through this coming-of-age stage of life, you know, uh, tweens and early teens and becoming more withdrawn and undergoing personality changes as they're entering into those teenage years. You know, the parents in this movie, uh, like many parents in real life, you know, seeing their, their kids go through that adolescent transition, um, you know, they're asking... Well, who, gosh, who is this kid? He's behaving so strangely. This isn't like him at all, you know. And they're struggling to get him to open up and to be honest about what he's feeling and why, you know. So there's a lot of parallels there, I think, to the parenting experience. As I mentioned earlier, my oldest son is exactly the same age as Brandon. We've already seen some subtle changes in his behavior that have reminded us that, you know what, we need to be increasingly building into our relationship with him now uh, so that as he naturally becomes more withdrawn, we'll have a good foundation from which to reach out to him. And I think for people who are uh, maybe just becoming parents, this is, you know, can be a kind of a, a, a trigger to help you look forward and realize, you know what, right now when they are in kindergarten, you know, or, or earlier, I mean, as soon as they come out, you know, and, and moving forward, you know, that's the time to really build into to those relationships. I mean, it's never too late to start, but uh, as early as you can start building into those relationships so that you have a good uh, amount of credit that you've established with them so that they are willing to maybe open up and trust you in those years when they are going to feel much more uh, naturally distrustful of you, you know. So um, I think this really could be a reminder of the importance of investing in the relationship with your kids. And um, 
And also, I think there's good reminders in this movie that when you when they're when kids are entering that volatile stage, which certainly starts before they hit eleven or twelve or whatever, but I think gets intensified the older they get. You know, as they're entering those emotionally volatile years or just seasons of life or whatever, that we be sure that we aren't responding to their behavior by adding fuel to the fire on our end. Um, which is only going to make their anger worse. It's going to close off opportunities for us to hear their true hearts and then to speak truth and encouragement into their lives. And I think that there's some examples of of parenting going south and adding fuel and anger to an already tense situation and just making it worse, you know. Um, so uh, it brought to mind two verses, Ephesians 6, 4, and the ESV says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it contrasts the two that like provoking your children to anger actually works against and is different from bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so if we are provoking our children to anger as we're trying to discipline and instruct them, we should realize, oh, I'm doing something wrong here. This isn't just on my kid. You know, uh, if I am adding fuel to this fire as I'm trying to discipline and instruct them, I'm doing it wrong, you know. And then Colossians 3.21 ESV says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged, you know, because they're just going to, it's just going to shut them down. It's going to, it's going to create the opposite effect of what we want. Um, so anyway, yeah, those uh, two verses, certainly that's not to let our children off the hook and just let them get away with any kind of emotional outbursts they want. But I think the, the message there is don't, um, from our end, uh, bring more into the mess, you know? Uh, okay. So I have no idea what your tastes are in movies, but if I were a time traveler, I'd go back in time and say, Peter, oh, as you suspected from the first time you saw this trailer, this is the kind of thing that you want to see. I mean, how cool is it to, you know, when you can think back and remember those years where people thought superhero movies were silly and that they were, you know, only spoof-worthy like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and some other superhero movies of that time. It just seemed like, you know, superhero movies were always going to be these things that people didn't take seriously. Now we've entered, many years later, had a number of superhero movies that are taken very seriously and some that are still played for comedic effect. But now we've arrived at this point where where superhero movies are so normal and accepted that you can twist that formula and make a super horror movie. And this is totally up your alley, Pater. Um, but you don't necessarily need to see it in theaters. It's not that mind-blowing and, you know, gripping and intense and new of an experience uh, that you need to see it in theaters. This is one you can wait and rent, Pater. Um, but uh, you'll also want to buy it. So maybe rent it and then plan to buy it later, mostly to watch the special features and to show to other people. This is the kind of movie you're going to want to show to other people people see the looks on their faces <laughs> um and uh, but you know when it becomes discounted or used that's the time to add it to your collection it's not one you're going to have personally an urge to watch again and again but you'll want to show it to others and to have it in your collection especially if they make sequels or spinoffs which would be really great all right you can get my spoiler filled reactions to brightburn in my spoiler car video series just one of many perks available for your support over at patreon.com slash spirit blade productions this one's rated r for horror violence slash bloody images and languages. I want to remind you guys to check out the other members of the Christian Geek Central Network, such as the Strangers and Aliens podcast, the Theology Gaming podcast, the Untold podcast, POS, TOS, Helix Reviews, and the Retro Rewind podcast. For more information about the CGC Network, visit ChristianGeekCentral.com. 
Data collection complete. Activating Usenet 1.0. Just a heads up, I will be away from my office and the internet, at least as far as like, you know, work interface related things, um, from May 24th through June 2nd. So really probably by the time this podcast episode goes up, I'll, I'll already be off grid, unfortunately. Sorry I didn't give you more of a warning. Um, the boys are finally old enough to enjoy it, so we're taking them to Universal Studios and looking forward to seeing the Wizarding World and just kind of disconnecting for a bit uh, once I get back. Then the summer really gets crazy for me. E3 and then something else after that I'm not ready to talk about yet that uh, is probably going to take a good amount of time and prep. And uh, So yeah, this is uh, this will be good, a bit of calm before the storm. If anything major comes up while I'm out and about, you can get in touch with Tim O'Donnell for help on the forums at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Um, and otherwise, you can still look forward to all the regular kinds of content posting next week. Sometimes when I take a week or two off, I try to also, you know, take a week off or take that time off from doing content so I don't end up having to crunch beforehand to get ready. Although I do most times like to give you guys consistency, even when I'm gone, to have something there for you. I really would have preferred to take the time off, but I've just looked, realized, my gosh, there's too much to talk about. I, if I if I wait and don't talk about next week's content until I get back then then there's new things to talk about so I just I gotta there's stuff that I gotta get out there and uh so the crunch was unavoidable this time anyway uh what else what else at youtube.com slash christian geek central I've posted the video why geeks need a good shepherd and uh, that's uh, based on psalm 23 which we looked at last time here on the podcast and then also a review of the playstation 4 exclusive days gone provided by gabriel stinson of barbells and joysticks so be sure to check that out i uh, really appreciate gabriel offering that to the channel uh and then also you should buy now be able to see my uncut review of bright burn uh there's a ton of content rolling out all the time guys from christian geek central movie and video game reviews an ongoing in-depth bible study with specific geek application christian geek industry news gaming live streams and a bunch more and with few exceptions it's all being done by one guy spinning plates and uh, using very limited resources so for as little as one dollar a month you can help make sure all that content keeps going and growing in the future and get yourself some exclusive content as well. I want to say again, I'm so grateful for the support of all of our Spirit Blade insiders who have made it possible for me to continue doing this work. Thank you so much, you guys. For more information, you can visit patreon.com slash Productions. Rejoice, ye penny-pinching nerds! Rejoice! For this is a season unbound by our bank accounts, unfettered by fees. A legendary age of liberty. This is the Summer of Free! Wow, welcome. Once again, it's the Summer of Free. Uh, this year, 2019, where I'm going to be highlighting, uh, hopefully, the best geek entertainment that's free for anyone with an internet connection. That's what this is all about every year. For those who are new to this annual Summer of Free celebration that we do here at Christian Geek Central, a little background on why we do this first, and then I'll give you some rapid-fire free entertainment resources, followed by my first two recommendations of the summer. But actually, before I get into all that, I want to let you know about some 
some big news going on at Christian Geek Central. Spirit Blade Productions' groundbreaking audio drama, Spirit Blade, is being made free forever. That's right, free forever. The legacy edition of this sci-fi fantasy pseudo-superhero genre-bending story uh, is being released in video format, which includes also text commentary by myself, the creator of the trilogy. Uh, the first part of the, of the trilogy, Spirit Blade Legacy Edition, is being released in multiple parts throughout the month of June. It's actually the first part is going to be posted on June or May, excuse me, 25th, which, uh, depending on when you're hearing this, might be in the near future or might be in the recent past. So be sure to go over to youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central, where you can get the first part of that, and then throughout throughout the month of June, uh, be more parts of that. Then after all three parts of Spirit Blade Legacy Edition have been released on YouTube with the text commentary, the audio version will be available for free forever. More details when we get closer to that. In the meantime, go to youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central to get Spirit Blade the Legacy Edition. The Bible teaches that money is meant to be used for surprise fun. It is supposed to be used for fun. We don't hear that a lot, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, we see indications of that. Um, in addition to other things, it's meant for fun. But it's important to say that it can't truly satisfy us. In that same book, and the same chapter even, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, uh, there's indications that it can't truly satisfy us. And so uh, money should be put to good use in service to God and others rather than primarily uh, being be used on ourselves. And I think we see that in Matthew 13, 44. Matthew 25, 14, and 1 Timothy 6, 17, and 18. Uh, we're also instructed to stay out of debt so that the only person that we are subjected to is God. We see that, I think, in Romans 13, 8, Proverbs 22, 7, and 1 Corinthians 7, 23. Now, as a hardcore geek, this is really challenging teaching. Most geek hobbies involve repeated investment, and sometimes they cost a lot. All the cool stuff that's being marketed to us uh, usually comes with a price tag. So it can be easy to go beyond the enjoyment that we're meant to have and enter into the realm of obsession and just financial waste. And I've experienced this firsthand. So each year at Christian Geek Central, we celebrate the Summer of Free, in which I showcase free entertainment options geared toward geeks that are available for free to anyone that has an internet connection, uh, which if you are listening to this or watching this, you do. Uh, let's see, to kick off the summer, I'm going to remind you guys of some great starting points when you're looking for free and absolutely legal entertainment for geeks. When it comes to retro video games, I, rec I recommend excuse me, archive.org's Internet Arcade. Uh, when it comes to modern video games, something you can do is go to Steam, click Enter on that search field without typing anything in there, just click enter in it, sort by lowest price, and then check out all the free games, or with caution, the free-to-play games. RPGmaker.net has a bunch of filters there uh, that you can use to find highly rated games or games that fit your particular tastes. Uh, that's a resource that I've gone back to again and again every year, RPGmaker.net. Itch.io slash games slash free. Again, there's a bunch of filters that you can apply there as desired to find what you're looking for. And then 
finally, every year PC Gamer puts out a list of like the best free video games that are available. You can just do a search for PC Gamer free games in your favorite search engine and you're likely to find uh, that list pretty easily. As far as tabletop gaming goes, one thing that's fun to do is go over to BoardGameGeek.com, look up a game that you already have in your collection and check out the forums or the files for the variants that have been created for that game that can really uh, add some new life to a game that you've maybe had for years and you think you've kind of seen it all, but you can really explore it in some new ways with the help of the variants at BoardGameGeek.com. Uh, you can also go to DriveThruRPG, DriveThru, spelled T-H-R-U-R-P-G.com, and use the browsing filters there again to find some great free uh, paper and pencil type tabletop gaming options. When it comes to anime, the two sites I'd recommend would be Crunchyroll.com and then also Funimation.com. Funimation.com. Uh, by the way, right now you can watch the uh, really uh, highly celebrated anime series Cowboy Bebop over at Funimation.com. And that's also being discussed by our friends over at the Retro Rewind podcast as we're partnering with them, once again, linking arms to celebrate the summer of free. They're going to be talking about Cowboy Bebop and what they think of it on the May 29th episode of the Retro Rewind podcast. You can check that out over at RetroRewindPodcast.com. As far as movies and TV, the three sites I would point you to would be first Voodoo.com, V-U-D-U.com, Select free in the main navigation. Bunch of great options there. SonyCrackle.com uh, would be another place to go. And then finally, Tubi TV. That's T-U-B-I-T-V.com. All right, so that was some rapid-fire stuff. Now let's zoom in a little bit and give you 2019's first summer of free recommendations. I'm doing things a little differently this year. Each installment of the 2019 summer of free is going to offer something for both uh, geek movie lovers and geek video game fans. Only this year, since I feel like in the past years, you know, combined, I've covered most of what I think personally are the best free games that are available out there. I've kind of caught up to a lot of what's available. Uh, so this year, I'm going to be recommending video game themed documentaries for the video game fan. Now, if that word sounds boring, don't switch me off. Think again, please. There are really some great uh, real world stories behind the creations of your favorite nerdy games. Uh, so stay tuned. But first, I want to recommend the movie Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which you can watch over at SonyCrackle.com. Here to share a few abbreviated thoughts on the film are time-traveling Peter and Holly Franson, joining us now from the year 2016. In the, I want to say like the 1800s in England, uh, there's like all the, the aristocratic class social struggles going on people trying to kind of make their way and get get a name for themselves in society and marry well and all that kind of crap and uh, but in the midst of that in the last like 100 years a zombie plague has broken out in England and so they're having to kind of adjust their way of life and and the the skills and attributes that are valued in a in a young potential bride have changed uh, and so they're not you know focusing on the same elements of refinement as they might normally instead they're having to train in martial arts and weaponry and stuff like that and so it's this uh, it's the, the class struggle and trying to marry well and all that kind of stuff is still going on but at the same time they're trying to deal with this whole zombie outbreak and in the midst of that you have Elizabeth Bennett, uh, who is 
her mother wants her to marry well because uh, they're basically not going to be able to keep on to the keep hold of the family fortune once her father passes away. And then you've got uh, her sisters that are also trying to marry well, but the main focus is on Elizabeth. And then you've got I think his first name is William Darcy or Mr. Darcy as he's most often called uh, who is part of the military trying to fight off the zombies. And uh, he's just very a grumpy, grumbly man and seems to be uh, you know very prideful and uh, meddling where he shouldn't and stuff. And, and so we're just kind of watching this relationship uh, that's based largely on misunderstanding kind of unfold between Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth. This is a weird experience because it's, um, it does have zombies in it. Uh, and it's got lots of cool elements of zombie you know movies and it de- and there's definitely lots of you know action that kind of breaks up the the relationship uh class struggle drama that's going on um but it's largely i think a more about the drama side of things if i were to kind of uh describe it a little bit differently i would say this is a movie that a pride and prejudice fan takes a zombie fan to so that they will stomach and sit through pride and prejudice it is not, I don't think, um, a zombie movie that a zombie fan takes a Pride and Prejudice fan to so that they will sit through a zombie movie. I think that the the story uh, hangs a lot more on the relationship drama than it does on the impending zombie threat. The The cast, I thought, was a really pretty solid. Um, I'm used to seeing kind of the A&E version of Pride and Prejudice, uh, and those characters, I think, are, are a, a more extreme in kind of like their behavior, um, with the exception of maybe um, Parson uh, Col- Collins. Parson Collins. I thought that um, Matt Smith did a great job as uh, Mr. Collins in this one, and I-, I would rank his performance right up there with the guy, you know, the greasy-haired dude who does him in the in the A and E special. He was a- he was great comic relief, so he was kind of like the standout for me. The rest of the people are all kind of fairly subdued and stuff like that, you know. So it's uh, uh, it's not like really varied in terms of volume of in- and range of performances. But I thought for what they were doing, they all brought a nice you know, prim and proper subtlety, you know, to uh, to the whole thing um, in both the serious and the humorous moments. Uh, the stunts and visuals, they were great. I mean, this, it's a zombie movie, so I mean, that's the, I don't, I don't think that the, the standard is super high there, but uh, I really enjoyed what they did. I enjoyed uh, the, the, like, the deaths of zombies and kind of, you know, they were, you know, fit, fitfully gruesome and stuff like that, sometimes shocking and surprising and made me jump, you know, and uh, there's some great head explosions, a couple of them that just, like, made me kind of jump. They were so sudden and took me off guard. Um, so I thought, like, as far as like that stuff goes, it was it was enjoyable. Um, so anyway, those are my basic thoughts. Now I want to bring on my wife Holly. Be nice, internet, because she's shy, and it took a lot of uh, convincing to get her to do this. She doesn't like talking on the phone, or and certainly not on camera. Um, but she is a uh, a Pride and Prejudice fan. Um, what's your like? What's your background with Pride and Prejudice? Is it more with the book or with the classic A and E TV series? It is largely mostly based on the A and E series. Okay. Uh, I've only read the book once. Okay. Um, and that was because I loved the A and E movie so much. And how often do you watch that A and E series all the way through? <laughs> Probably about once a year. Yeah, and as it happens, you just—I mean, you didn't even know this movie was coming out, but you were just—you just watched through it about a week ago, the yep. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what's what was your general reaction? I mean, you knew the title, you know, so you knew ha- kind of what you were in for, and you're not like a. 
a zombie fan no. in particular. <laughs> um, what, were, what was your general reaction to the experience? It was kind of fun. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, I love how they kind of stuck with the Pride and Prejudice story, um, but the things that changed because of the zombiness of it, for the most part, needed to change in the story. So to make that zombie part make sense. Okay. So what what changes come to mind that are either just interesting to you or that were funny because of how they, you know, changed the, the original story? Well, just that the, the women were now, they were all warriors and uh, they were, they you could tell they grew up being trained to fight and uh, instead of being all about, you know, the, I think... Sorry, sorry if I give spoilers. I don't That's know. Okay. Minor spoilers. I mean, as long as you don't give away like the ending and like, like who, who lives and dies, yeah. we're good. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I don't know how not to, and yeah, I don't no. know exactly what a spoiler is. So. Yeah, that's okay. All right, good. Um, like the opening scene when with the Bennets, mm-hmm. um, how they're all sitting around in their, you know, in their sitting room or whatever, and they're all cleaning their weapons. Yeah. <laughs> instead of doing embroidery or. <laughs> doing their redoing their bonnets and um and so that that's just kind of fun like that's that's their world now and, yeah um so things like that i think what was what was kept that you think was important and that was kind of part of like the the pride and prejudice it's kind of scratched that pride and prejudice itch for you that you that you enjoy from the a and e series maybe that was retained in this just the whole the whole time period of it being i think it was the I think it's the early 1800s and I don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. um, But just their, the way they speak and their prim and properness um, as far as interacting with each other um, and just trying to figure out what's going on there between each other and um, because of how they don't just let it go all out there, you know, in, in their speech. They just, they say what's proper and... And so, yeah, I just liked that that carried on through. So what was what was maybe lost or changed that was kind of like unnecessary or, or that you felt like, oh, you know, they didn't have to do that or lose that or whatever? Yeah, there was, um, for the most part, I thought it was it was pretty good. I, I felt like the story where it needed to, where it did change, it kind of needed to for the, for the, to add the zombies in. But there was... One scene in particular that um, when when Darcy proposes for the first time mm-hmm. that I felt like they they ended up physically fighting each other and uh, I didn't think that was necessary in that instance they that it didn't come to that they were it was they they could have settled it through their words like they did in the original yeah I noticed that like that like sometimes when there was conflict in the original like A and E series, like that was verbal conflict and emotional conflict and stuff like that, they would accompany that with physical conflict. Like, you know, when she's arguing yeah. with her sisters, they're also yes. they're also training, you know, and fighting each other physically. You know, and then with uh, uh, Lady Catherine de Bourgh, there's kind of like a, a violent exchange in connection with her last encounter with uh, mm-hmm. with that character. Yeah. If if there's someone that's a fan of Pride and Prejudice, and someone's saying, "Hey, you want to go see this with me?" and they can maybe handle some gore, but they don't go seeking that kind of thing out. Um, would you say this is worth a try, or would you say, "Ah, the zombie stuff is going to be a bit, you know, over the top"? So I'm, you know, I mean, what what would your kind of how would you recommend it with hesitation or qualifiers no, or what think, would you 
I think it's fun. Yeah. I think it's. I think I am not about zombie movies. I don't. I don't want to go to a movie to really just be scared all the time yeah. or wonder what's going to happen or too much gore. Yeah. Um, but this was. I, th- I felt like there were some jumpy moments, um, but it was much more like you said about the the Pride and Prejudice story mm-hmm. and with with a little different, obviously um, added horror to it um, but it was more about the story of Pride and Prejudice and and the relationships in that story and so so if you if you go to it allowing the the story's going to change because of the world they now live in yeah. um, and just let them have some fun with that yeah. um, and make those changes I think it's just kind of fun to watch Yeah. so yeah cool. I, I would recommend it Cool. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're free. You can run away. (laughs) Again, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is available to watch for free over at sonycrackle.com. Now moving on to my first video game documentary recommendation. Ah, man. I've been, like, just itching to talk about this. And that's The Road to Eternity. This is a feature-length wonderfully produced, popcorn-worthy underdog story for video game fans. Obsidian Entertainment is a hot property right now. They were recently acquired by Microsoft to become a first-party developer for them. This year, they will release the highly anticipated RPG, The Outer Worlds, but they weren't always doing this well. They were once known as kind of a company that companies would outsource their sequels to. You know, they did Neverwinter Nights 2. They did Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. And they did Fallout New Vegas. Uh, Games that have passionate cult followings, but that were also buggy or even incomplete on their release. After several failed releases and a canceled title that really hurt them a lot, Obsidian had to downsize immensely. They placed their last hope on a Kickstarter project to finally develop a property of their own creation that played to the strengths of their classic RPG heritage, banking on the hope that enough players would still want to play the kind of old-school D&D-inspired game that they really loved to make. This is such a can-do story, including a great segment where they used, like, any staff they could find to create an orchestra and a choir for the trailer music that was going to be promoting uh, this project. Uh, They recorded it in the lobby of their offices, like, at at midnight when no one was around. They just kind of took a survey. It was like, hey, who knows how to play musical instruments? Who knows who, who can sing and has some singing in their background. They just cobbled together this orchestra and uh, and really polished it up as best they could, recorded it in the lobby, and oh man, it's really... These guys were just up against the wall, and they did everything they could to make this project come together with really their careers on the line, their paychecks, their livelihood on the line here, you know. Uh, even knowing how this one ends, it's so well-produced that I've watched it multiple times. If you're a fan of old... PC RPGs like, say, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 or the Icewind Dale games, which were produced by members who later formed Obsidian, then I highly recommend this documentary. Although be warned, you know, as a fan of those types of games, you may want to buy Pillars of Eternity after watching this documentary. Uh, But, you know, even if you're just a fan of video games in general 
or you're not maybe a video game fan, but you like classic tabletop D&D, I think you're going to find reasons to invest in uh, the story of Obsidian as they were making Pillars of Eternity. And I think you're going to find reasons to root for them to win while you watch. You can watch The Road to Eternity at Obsidian's YouTube channel right now, and I highly recommend it. All right, that's it for this round. In a few weeks, I'll be back with another set of great movie and video game documentary recommendations. Thanks, and stay tuned for more of Christian Geek Central's Summer of Free 2019. And uh, for all the videos from previous celebrations, be sure to check out our Summer of Free playlist on youtube.com slash Central. Feedback, feedback. Give me your thoughts on this podcast Christian Geek Central the YouTube channel or anything else we're doing did any of you guys think for a second there that you there's like a glitch that's what I was going for but I need to there's I don't have the artifacts I need the digital artifacts and that takes too much time to edit in never mind what should we keep what should we change or what's on your mind you'd like a potentially uninformed opinion on we want to make this show and all of Christian Geek Central as fun and useful as we can but we have to hear from you to do that you can send an email or audio file recorded on your phone to p-a-e-t-e-r at spiritblade.com. I still don't know whether to talk about this entity that is Christian Geek Central and Spirit Blade Productions using the pronoun I or we. You know, it it doesn't seem right to say I because I could not do this without the help of some very uh, significant people, both uh, in my life and those of you that are, you know, connected to uh, all this stuff online. And yet, um, most of the time, as I said a moment ago, it's this uh, one man spinning a bunch of plates, and I don't want to try and pretend that uh, it's some big organization when it's not, so I don't know what to do. Maybe, you know what I should do next time? (laughs) Is, like, change up the pronoun that I use mid-sentence, like if I'm looking at my script here. We want to make this show and all of Christian Geek Central as fun and useful as I can, but we have to hear from you to do that. Maybe I should do that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, as a reminder, guys, um, if you'd like some help finding a good church in your area, I want to help you do that if I can. Online resources and communities like this are good supplements, but by nature they can't speak to your particular situation like relationships in a local church can. I really have to paint with kind of broad strokes. I, you know, I'm trying to uh, create content that's going to speak to you where you're at, but when I say you, I, I, I'm not speaking thinking of you in particular i have several faces that go through my mind and then just a vague mass of of uh empty slots that fall into the demographic of i'm just thinking of demographics and stuff you know it's uh so i do what i can as all uh kind of content creators and outlets of any kind you know we have to paint with these broad strokes and it really makes a difference when someone knows the particulars of your life they know the particulars of the the last week in your life and they know you and your personality and your strengths and your weaknesses and so they can speak into your life in a helpful way in a challenging way in all the different ways that we need that uh, that just kind of like content that you find online and passively take in just can't do you know um, and I would argue even online relationships, there's still a, a, an amount of distance there just by the nature of the the medium itself compared to sitting in the room across from somebody and looking in their eyes, reading their uh, the, the way their eyes move. I mean, the, you know, there's so much, there's so much about this walk 
that uh, we're meant to experience that can only be experienced when we are actually locally in the same room, sharing the same space, breathing the same air with other believers. And in fact, uh, as I've said a number of times before, and I'll get back on my script now here, the context for almost everything in the New Testament that we are holding up is like, this is, this is the guide for our lives. Well, the context that those, uh, those books were written in is, uh, is, is assuming that the recipients are serving and building purposeful relationships in a local church community. So whether you're in a church that lacks Bible-based intentionality or not attending any church at all, if I can help you get connected to an authentic, compassionate, Bible-oriented church, I want to do that. You can email me at p-a-e-t-e-r at spiritblade.com, and we can try to look at some websites of churches in your area together. All right, well, uh, although it's not content that's being featured here on the podcast, I do want to thank Gabriel Stinson of Barbells and Joysticks for his Days Gone review. Again, that's featured on our channel at youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central. Stay tuned after the credits for DS9 Chwarma with Matt McKinney of POSTOS or jump back to episode 400 if you want to start from the beginning. As a reminder, you can find episodes 0 through 500 of this podcast archived as the Spirit Blade Underground Podcast at spiritblade.com. Next week, if God allows it anyway, I will share... Um, th- via the magic of auto posting, since I'll be on vacation, um, my E3 wish list and predictions. Usually, um, I-, I think of them as kind of like unrealistic <laughs> wishes uh, and fairly jaded predictions, but a number of my wishes and predictions have come true in the past. I have to admit, I'm saying somewhat deceptively, it's certainly a very small percentage of them, but. You never know which ones might be right on the money. And usually every year I I get a few right. Uh, So anyway, I'm going to share all of those with you next week, along with probably some kind of a movie review as I'm recording this. It's Tuesday and tomorrow is the day I need to settle on what kind of uh, content I'm going to review. It'll be some kind of movie and there's a Christian fantasy movie I'm thinking of watching or maybe I'll watch the pilot to Doom Patrol I don't know who can say at this point so you'll just have to tune in next week and find out Uh, and then I'll probably also share another geek psalm with you guys uh, next week as well till then please consider supporting the work of Christian Geek Central and Spirit Blade Productions you can also earn some fun rewards as you become a Spirit Blade insider of any subscription tier over at patreon.com slash Spirit Blade Productions you can also help this work by leaving a positive review of the Christian Geek Central podcast on iTunes or other podcast services or just tell someone, tell a friend say hey, you know I haven't mentioned this in a while but this podcast has been really cool or I've really enjoyed it or it's really been helpful to me or whatever you know, Uh, I really appreciate that a lot and and in fact that word of mouth type of of, uh, promotion can mean a lot more and be a lot more effective than putting a review up and stuff. So anytime you guys want to blab to your friends about something you enjoy that, that uh, Christian Geek Central or Spirit Blade Productions, for that matter, is putting out, uh, I'd be really grateful. Thank you guys so much for making time for this show. I hope you have a great week, and that you'll join me next time here on the Christian Geek Central podcast as we continue to geek out and seek the truth. <laughs> Christian Geek Central Podcast is a community-supported endeavor of Spirit Blade Productions. This podcast is produced by Peter Fremson with support from the Christian Geek Central community at christiangeekcentral.com. For information about the latest entertainment and resources from Spirit Blade Productions, visit spiritblade.com. Thank you for listening.
wormhole. The Dominion has endured for 2,000 years and will continue to endure long after the Federation has crumbled into dust. No! Five years ago, no one had ever heard of Bejor or Deep Space Nine, and now all our hopes rest here. Once more under the breach, dear friends, with... What, what was this episode again, Kim? Oh, Once More Under the Breach. Once More Under the Breach. Yes. <clears throat> this was the last episode for Kor. Uh, if you remember, he was the, the first Klingon commander we ever saw in the original Star Trek series. Um, and then he apparently Klingons were as long-lived as Vulcans because he was still alive in Deep Space Nine. He was a friend of Jadzia's. And then he befriended Worf and they went on a mission. And now... Uh, this is his last episode. So we're closing the book on a character who has been with us since the time of Kirk. Yes. And he's already been in two other Deep Space Nine, so he's a pretty consistent recurring character, too. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he comes to Worf basically asking for a job. Because if you remember from that first episode, he was kind of a, a ruthless Klingon commander. I mean, he was like, you know, mass executions and all that ugly stuff. Uh, and he's made a lot of enemies among his own people, and even in the middle of a brutal war where we need all hands, no one's given him any work because he's made too many enemies, and... Yeah, he's, he's, he's gotten on too many people's personal bad side. No one will give him a command. Yeah, and basically, if you know this about the Klingons, they're all about, the like, the Norse. They're, they're a lot like the Norse. They, they despise what they call a straw death. They despise... A death in peace, where you're not doing anything, accomplishing anything, wasting away. You want to die in battle. And in fact, if you'll recall, not too long ago, Worf had a whole big deal about making sure that, because Jadzia had not died in battle. She'd basically been knifed by a demon. That he had to make sure, he had to win a battle in her honor to ensure that her soul could go to Klingon Heaven, to Stovacor. Yeah, which actually kind of fits the theme. The episode opens with uh, O'Brien and Bashir talking about Davy Crockett, and they set up for the rest of the se- rest of the series. They're gonna, they're a big like thing that they talk about, and although we never do anything on the holodeck, they talk about doing the holodeck is the Alamo, and so they talk about Davy Crockett and did Davy Crockett surrender or did he go down fighting like the legend says? And Worf talks about legends, talks about it doesn't matter what it, do you believe in the legend or not because and and that's really the theme of this episode is legends. Is he says you know if you if you believe in the legend. Then, yes, he he would never have surrendered. There should be he, no he doubt in your heart. Nobly, if you don't believe in the legend, then it doesn't matter how he died because he's just a man. And it's very poignant, and it actually, like I said, it's the theme. And Kim caught something I had not noticed. When Kor comes in and talks to Worf and asks, uh, you know, how how is your beloved? And and Worf's response is, she died a, no, a warrior's death. And Cl- Kim caught this. I did not. But as she just said, she didn't die a warrior's death. But because Worf de- did the long-distance death battle dedication with Casey Kasem for her, she is officially... Yeah, that's, an- now, that's now the legal fiction, is that she died in battle because that's been covered over for her. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a form of Klingon redemption, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it's redemption. Only, only they actually act like the redemption is the new truth, not exactly. just... Exactly, so, so now they, you know... That's what Worf will tell everyone from now on, because in his mind, that is the truth, and that will become yeah. the legend. And I had not caught that. That was a nice catch. So, yeah, well, we find out uh, Martok does not want Kor to have any role in his fleet at all. 
And when we find out why, you can't yeah. blame him. One Martok thing. is snarly and cruel in a way we've never seen him before. And then we hear the story. And it turns out Martok came from basically Klingon Appalachia. Low-born, pathetic, everyone looks down on them There's just for There's a stigma associated just from being from a place. Yeah. It's, and it's... But his father desperately wanted him to not only serve, but to be an officer, to move past all this. He felt that he had the aptitude. So which he, we know he does, because he's a very skilled commander. Yeah, he's a brilliant general. And he went to the academy, he, he passed all the tests, did everything he was told All he had to was do. the formality approval yeah, meeting. Yeah, he just had to be rubber-stamped by the board, and one of them wouldn't stamp him. Core. And only because of where he came from. Nothing more. Purely, purely because of his birth. It's like, well, no, we don't. We did not come from a worthy family of honor. Basically, this would be not. This would be just as bad as some old guy saying, "Well, I can't let some darky into this college." That's horrible. No. And and like I said, when you hear about it, you don't blame Martok one bit for not wanting to give this guy, as he says, "I would not give him the gnawed bones of my last meal, much less a command." Yeah. And the, the, in fact, this actually ruined Martok's career, and the only way he ever got into the military was because of a battlefield commission after getting caught in a battle. And his dad died without him ever having seen his son become what he wanted him to be. Yeah. The, I mean, the, just imagine that. The only job that Martok could get because Kor had blacklisted him was essentially being a cabin boy. And that he served as a cabin boy for five years. And still would be. the officer's mess, mopping the deck essentially until he got like matt said a battlefield commission and his father died not seeing him having gotten that and like we were talking about because klingons believe that you earn your afterlife through you know glorious death in battle that what core did to him didn't just screw over his life he literally damned him yeah you know and it was yeah Chance had to step in. So, yeah, like, you know, just to clarify all that, Martok has every reason to be bitter and even hateful, maybe. And part of it is that Kor isn't even sorry about that. He, he actually says, in this, when Worf confronts him, he goes, oh, you've lived among all these these democratic humans and all their stuff. You've absorbed their but, attitudes, but we know that you're from a noble house, Worf, yes, and yes. so am I, and we know that we're... We're proper New Englanders or whatever this garbage yeah. is, and it's like, yeah... Little Waxana coming out in him it's, there. And that's this ugly, you know, old blood attitude. Yeah. Which you know, we as Americans just yeah. particularly puts our backs up. Yeah, yeah. That's a very anti-American thing. He's like, yeah, I know there are Americans who hold that blue blood garbage, but most of them don't actually say it that openly, except among themselves. But uh, we'll leave the country club aside. And Worf, Worf manages to get uh, Cor a, jo- uh, a spot on the ship. And so Kor gets to be there, and he's stealing all the attention because he is a legendary Dahar Master. And that, so, that's come up repeatedly. And what I love is they never say what Dahar Master is, but it's what they all whisper. So it's And even Odo, in the first episode when he met Kor, as soon as he heard he was a Dahar Master, Odo started showing him more respect. Yeah. So even Odo respects what a Dahar Master is. And I kind of like that we don't know the details. I suspect it's some sort of a ship combat it's, it's a tactical level. mastery. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not sure. I can only guess. I doubt it's but, like a physical fighting because he's not a particularly skilled physical fighter. But As soon as Kor comes on the ship, all the young Klingons are just, you know, oh, man. They're, yeah, they all want their autographs. Kor on our ship. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all mobbing him for stories and autographs. Yeah. And, yeah. And 
Then, then comes the battle because they're on. They're doing a cavalry run. They're doing just a quick hop in, hop out, just just to distract the enemy while the other things going on. Yeah. They're, they're they're doing a hit and run. Yeah, and they're in the in the fight. Uh, Worf and Martok are knocked out briefly, and Kor takes over. And well, it's now that we discover. He, he's old, and he, his brain is... mind is not all there anymore. And suddenly he's back fighting the Federation like when he was a young man. And he, he gets people killed, and, you know, it goes badly. Now everyone is cruelly mocking him and belittling him. And at first you, know, you feel sorry for Corbin, but then you think, he's never apologized for his intentions. He's gotten people killed who did nothing wrong, but because he's incompetent. And, you know... Being made fun of seems to be a pretty minor cost for having done all that. Especially on a Klingon ship. You think Klingons... Well, actually, Martok tried to kill him, and Worf stopped it. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know. Should we go into the ending, or should we just say it ends on an unexpected note? It, 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 I don't think we should reveal yeah. the ending. The ending is really, really good. It's probably the best part of a good episode. Well, and I will say this. You get Klingons singing. Uh, Kim, Kim loves singing me, Klingons. When, when when Klingons sing, that that's just like a, you know, it's <laughs> it's very much that old Norse glory kind yeah, of Vikings they're, they're, get together. Yeah, it's 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 just beautiful. And, it's like and a, a, a gruff dignity is a good way to put it. This isn't this is an ex this episode is an excellent exploration not only of the Klingon mind and culture, but also of you know themes themes of age. The heroes. You know, what what is a hero? What is a legend? Um, I think it's a really great episode. The only part of this episode I think we could have seriously done uh, without is the Esri subplot. Esri talks about gluten again. Uh-huh. Well, not literally gluten, but she just talks about it more and more because she met an old friend, and so she has to talk about the same garbage she's always talking about. And it's like, I don't mind the character, but they keep get. I see why people hate this character. I don't hate her, but I see why, because... She just doesn't stop with the same stuff over and over. Every, every time she's on the screen, she's talking about Trill stuff. And she's whining, and oh, and, oh it's different. No. It's like she's, she doesn't have a character outside of, I'm the next Trill that got the Dax symbiont. <laughs> Gluten, no. And it's, it's very annoying, and it just and we're trying to watch this affecting story. And as, meanwhile, on the station, as rewind yeah, he, some he keeps, more. He keeps flashing over there. And they do the stupid thing of a person overhears oh, one small part of a conversation and draws the wrong conclusion from it. So then... With, with badly loaded dialogue yeah, that's designed so to sound have, like the wrong thing. Then we have a discussion later where we each think we're talking about different things. And uh, it's such many. And then Steve Urkel walks in and says, where's my cheese? Yeah, it's, I, it, it's, uh, it's such manufactured... You know, and in uh, the middle of a good, and, and in the middle of a great story yeah. about legends and heroes, in, and here's Esri whining. In the middle of this very serious, very weighty story, like we said about about age and heroism and the fear that you won't uh, you won't be able to die in a dignified way. Stupid trill tricks. <laughs> I, no. It just jackknifes into it. But the ending, it really is worth it. 
definitely watch this episode. I mean, just to see where Core goes, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. It's a great. It's great for Martok. It's great for Worf. It's, it's great for Core. It's a wonderful exit for this character. Yeah. Um, and it, the only reason we won't talk about it in more detail, besides the fact that we've gone on too long already, is because we don't want to ruin the ending for you. Mm-hmm. But the ending is great, and it's definitely worthwhile. Well, we'll see you next time for an even weightier battle episode. We're going to Vietnam. <laughs>